This podcast is brought to you by our patrons. To help support the show, visit patreon.com slash haveadrinkshow. This is your beer, liquor, and other beverage news for the week of February 5th, 2022. Several craft whiskeys go to heaven. People want Tab to go on a diet. Apparently breweries can do a residency too. Paging Dr. Beer. Time to get drunk above the Southwest again. All this and more on Have a Drink News. Welcome to Have a Drink News, the show where we cover the week's popular news about what you drink. I'm Brittany Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. And I'm Christopher Walker, and let's get straight into the news. First up, Heaven Hill acquires several craft whiskey labels in purchase of Samson and Surrey. Uh, Family-owned and operated Kentucky distillery, Heaven Hill, just acquired a portfolio of brands and facilities of Samson and Surrey, including several well-established craft whiskey brands. We're pulling this from the Whiskey Wash, by the way. Uh... The acquisition of Samson and Surrey extends Heaven Hill's portfolio with six high-growth premium brands in the spirits industry, according to the company's uh, statement released Tuesday. Uh, they, uh, the president of the company says, Through our 86-year history, our focus has been building a business with a portfolio of great brands sold through a great team. Uh Samson and Surrey portfolio strategically enhances our portfolio with emerging brands in strong growth categories. Together with their team, Heaven Hill is poised to leverage the tremendous potential of these exciting brands. Uh, I mean, all right. I'm looking at these going like, no, I've not seen these before. I Yeah, I, I've never even heard of that. Possibly if we were deeper into the craft whiskey market. That is possible. True. Uh, Although hey. one of those is a tequila, so craft spirits. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Uh, under the leadership of Robert Fumis Rowe and Juan Rivera, Samson and Surrey built a portfolio of premium brands growing at about sixty percent per year. Oh, Not bad. Okay. Yeah, tracking forty million in uh, sales in more than thirty markets worldwide. Uh, the acquisition included Tequila Ocho. God, I'm just picturing a dodgeball. Yeah. <laughs> like they're sponsoring ESPN 8. Oh, no, no. And so Tequila Ocho and uh, what's the tagline? Sterile and I like the taste. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, they, they can have that one for free. Yeah. For... <sighs> Widow Jane American Whiskey, uh, Few Spirits, uh, Bren French Whiskey, uh, Blue Coat Gin, and Mezcal Vago. Uh, the company will continue to operate as an independent division of Heaven Hill, led by Robert and Juan. They've just bent the knee and taken the money. Mm. Uh but yeah, they, they do go on to say, like, over the last five years, we've enjoyed an unprecedented success thanks to the talents of our team and truly remarkable award-winning liquids we make. Liquids we make. That's a weird... <laughs> uh, anyway, back to the quote. Uh, I and refer engaging... to the uh, previous statement of 
It's, it's sterile, sterile, not like, like taste. taste. <laughs> I mean, could they have just said spirits? It's pretty much what they do, right? Like, I don't know. I'm just like, interesting choice of words, but okay. Uh Anyway, they continue to say, in engaging the consumer stories we tell, uh, the combined talent, scale, and resources of Heaven Hill are now presenting a unique opportunity to provide long-term home for Samson and Surrey to further accelerate our growth. Uh, I mean, it's it's not a bad, you know, I can assume it's not a bad move for them as it gets gets them in the door everywhere that uh, Heaven Hill is. Yeah. Which is and, everywhere. Yeah, and Heaven Hill gets a bunch of hot new, new growing markets to... You know, growing products to to you know capitalize on. So, well, Widow Jane, we were talking about before. That was like the hot ticket a few years ago because that's when we mm-hmm. brought it. You know, we got in our heated debate over whether uh, whiskey outside of Kentucky can be called can be called so called bourbon. Yeah, I mean it can, but should it? <laughs> uh. But yeah, that's uh pretty much does it for them. Uh, good luck to the to their bank accounts and the amount of money that went into them. <laughs> may, uh, may their may their sixty percent growth year over year continue. Uh, speaking of uh, of growth, uh, let's go to growth of an unwanted kind. Uh, as people want some diet tab for some reason. Um, yeah. So, and I didn't realize this part either because I also also I don't know why, but. Because I've never had a tab, but my first thought was like diet tab. I feel like that. I don't know why my brain just goes, "Isn't that just Fanta?" It's like, no, that's a fruit drink. Well, yeah. no, that, my <laughs> thought when I hear that tab was already sugar free. I thought so. That's what like my, it's already a, a diety drink. Yeah, that's what I'm, I'm really confused because that was even the joke in Back to the Future when he goes back to the <laughs> '50s. He asks for a tab, and then, <clears> because he's looking for something that's sugar in it. <clears throat> yeah. Well, so. Speaking of tab, <laughs> uh, despite Coca-Cola discontinuing tab in 2020, which I definitely either forgot about or didn't know, uh, a group of devoted fans are holding on hope that their favorite soda will land back on the shelves. Tab diehards have formed the Save Tab Soda Committee in an effort to resurrect tab, the diet soda that first launched in 1963. So um, It's older than I thought. All I could think of was like, no, that... That has to be for like, you know, 1983, right? There's a typo. At least. Uh, but yeah, cause, well, because it's known as like the 80s drink for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is all from... 80s, from... 80s robot in uh, the Muppet movie has... <laughs> yeah. Again, I just said Back to the Future referencing Tab, so that... Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, we're, we're very, very firmly saying 80s. <laughs> Uh, so this is from Food and Wine, uh, and they're reporting that the members of the Save Tab Soda Committee have raised money, carried out, quote, coordinated call days, and launched a letter-writing campaign to bring back Tab. The group, which was formed in 2020, when it was discontinued, of course, uh, became a nonprofit organization in August, details their mission on their website, where they explained that Save Tab Soda was, quote, designed to focus on activities and events intended to convince Coca-Cola to change its mind on product discontinuation. Uh, if they pull off their goal of getting Tab back in production, Save Tab Soda hopes to, quote, wi- work with Coca-Cola to increase marketing and sales of Tab Soda so it will re- it would be produced for decades to come. 
Uh, to help accomplish their mission, Save Tab Soda has created both a change.org petition, because of course they have, uh, mm-hmm. which has more than 2,800 signatures, <laughs> uh, and an online fundraiser. So far, Save Tab Soda has raised $1,771 for the cause. <laughs> uh, also, 2,800 signatures to bring back tap. That's not enough people to bring back. No. That's not even a market. Yeah, that's that's not enough. And then the seventeen hundred dollars, and he's like, "Oh, good job! <laughs> you you really miss that tab, don't you? Twenty eight hundred people." <laughs> but you know, good. I, I I don't even know what to say because I'm just like, it's probably got like the artificial sweeteners that like give you cancer or whatever it is now. But like, it, it's just, do we when need this, this? Like, I don't. When this petition gets up to eighty eight thousand. You're going to see some serious shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, I mean, uh, good on you guys and hope for the best. <laughs> More yeah, uh, by future. the way, Coke just says, no, we're not doing that. More back to Probably. future references. That's how me thinking about it. So, uh, side note here, uh, our car things that we had to go through recently made us think about the future of our vehicles, and hopefully I'll be inheriting the uh, Prius whenever that happens. And I've already decided I'm getting a Mr. Fusion logo <laughs> put on the back of it from Back to the Future. And I'm also going to get the bumper sticker that says, when this baby hits 88 miles per hour, we'll be genuinely surprised. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was uh, I was about to say with the the, the Prius, it's like, no, you don't even need a, a Mr. Fusion sticker. You just need to put on like a food processor just on the back of the car and call it a Mr. Fusion. <laughs> Uh, I think they make um, those. They have to. Like just a little toy thing that you can have sticking up from I, the trunk I of your car. I promise you that is on Etsy right now. I'm going <laughs> to go look after this article. There's no real good. Yeah, yeah I was trying to think about like, speaking of <laughs> just things I want in the trunk of my car, let's talk about some beer I've not had. All right. There you uh, go. Six, stretch. Yeah. Six black-owned beer entities are working alongside each other for six weeks through a residency program at Haymarket Brewery and Pub it's in Chicago. Didn't know they did beer residencies. See, you were taking the doctor route. I was thinking, I was thinking like Vegas. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, like Celine Dion. Oh, oh. I was like, what? I go the hospital route too for some reason. Uh, here are as drunk as you are. <laughs> I think Celine Dion and Elton John when I hear residency because he was in Vegas for like ever. Yeah. Britney Spears was for a minute yeah. too. So, uh, well, she didn't have a say in that. <laughs> when Jamal Johnson started Moore's Brewing last year, he joined a very small club. Less than 1% of breweries are black owned according to 2020 study by the Brewers Association. It's very hard, yeah. right, uh, when you don't see anyone that looks like you. I think you kind of get discouraged, said Johnson, co-owner of Moore's Brewing. We're looking to be more diverse and to bring more people into the space and grow the space, not just here in Chicago, but nationwide. And that's what that's what the space needs. Needs fewer white dudes with beards. Yes, and I will say... Uh, it's like everything. We have a black-owned and operated brewery in Cincinnati, Esoteric, and they're awesome. Like, they're doing traditional styles, and they, like, hit them all. 
like right on the head, and it's good. I, I, just, I forgot their name until you brought them. Until you brought them up about this, and I was like, oh, right, we had them at Oktoberfest. Yeah, they're can they got stuff in cans out on the shelves, and that's mm-hmm. probably gonna be the only way I get to drink their stuff because their taproom hours aren't conducive to me. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Johnson launched his brewery on. Oh, and this this group uh, uh, gave them gave Esoteric a shout out on Twitter. Mm, nice. Like, Yay, Cincinnati Brewery. Uh, <laughs> Johnson launched his brewery on June 19th, uh, 2021. Juneteenth, the holiday commemorating the end of slavery in the United States. The brand has already seen a good amount of success. It is available in 130 retail locations, including Jewel Osco, Osco and is sold in Wintrust Arena. I tend to know this stuff. Uh, Johnson's was among six black-owned beer entities in a six-week residency program that started Tuesday at Haymarket Brewery and Pub at 737 West Randolph Street in the West Loop. If you're in the Chicago area, I want to hit this up. Uh, Johnson calls the residency revolutionary. Besides Moore's, there are three other black-owned breweries, Funky Town Brewery, Black Horizon Brewing, and Turner House House Brewery. And two other black-owned beer brands, uh, Black Beer Baron by Brewer Jay Westbrook and The Brother at the Bar by Sam Ross. Uh, Most don't have their own locations yet. Turner House Brewery shares space inside a coffee shop. Funky Town rents space in a brewing incubator with other beer makers. Moore's does contract brewing out of a brewery in Indiana. Only Black Horizon has a physical location in Chicago, Two launched less than a year ago. Moore's in June and Funky Town in October. And one like I get, it could be a Chicago thing. So um, hot butcher I for the world. I wasn't really thinking about how small they were until that. I was like, oh, oh, they're they're real small. Yeah. So um, hot butcher for the world, who I consider a you know a great brand out of Chicago. They're they just now got a space. It's not even open yet. They've been the contract brewing out of a, another brewery for. A couple years now, and um, it's like seeing the amount and quality of stuff they crank out. That doesn't have to hinder you. Like they can be, these guys can be doing some great work out of someone else's equipment. Yeah, and I wasn't trying to say small as like a negative thing. I just made like like yeah, like this is you know they're they're. It makes the residency make a little more sense because they're all they're used to it. Well, they're they're used to it. It also gives. Uh, like, well, I think they even were saying like they're they're all relatively new-ish, so it's also like good to, to for them to kind of get together and like learn from each other and yeah, that's what you for fine that's yeah, what you want to see and what the community needs. That's mm-hmm. I mean the the only way it's going to thrive like if they want more of these breweries to keep coming and to be doing quality work, then they've got to pass on the information they know. And yeah. this is this will be a great way. I mean, maybe you can see some of these guys. Not, uh, I don't want to say like one guy decide. You know what? Go, striking it out on my own isn't going to be the best way. Maybe I'd bring what I know in with these other guys, and we make a better, stronger brand. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, just Jay Westbrook uh, came up with the idea for the residency, according to Mike Gemma, Haymarket's director of operations. Uh, I found that the easiest way to get someone to listen to you is to put a proper beverage in their hand. <laughs> yeah, no, man knows what he's talking about. Uh, this came out of my goal of shining light and the lack of diversity and inclusion, not only Chicago's craft beer scene, but the craft beer community as a whole. 
we had this glorious idea to come together and give all these black brewers in Chicago a platform to tell their own story. That's awesome. The six brewers uh, collaborated on a new beer that's being tapped February 13th, Super Bowl Sunday, next Sunday. Uh, that and I expect this entire town to explode by then. We're, we're in Cincinnati. <laughs> BT Better. dubs. R- regardless of result. Yeah, regardless it d- Yeah, of, it does not matter. Either way, the whole town's going to burn down next weekend. Like, <laughs> and the river. Well, I mean, fire on the river. Somehow. The, the river's close to being that polluted again. So, well, uh, that beer, Chicago Uncommon, pays uh, homage to the Chicago Common Brick used to reconstruct a stronger, more durable city after the Great Chicago Fire of 1871. We're mm. using the Chicago Uncommon to rebuild the narrative of what people think craft beer looks like. Hmm. I want That's this cool. beer. Yeah. Uh, Turner House uses its beer to tell stories. Uh, naming them after Turner family matriarchs or occasionally historical figures, such as Gazelle Hazy IPA, which honors Olympic champion sprinter William Rudolph, whose nickname was the Black Gazelle. We try to make beer more than just the drink that you drink. We try to bring more meaning to it. Nice. Yeah. it's one of those like I know I'm not going to get any of this beer, but mm, that's true. Uh, it and we don't it, even it have does, a hookup it there does, it's a, <laughs> Yeah, it's a thing I want to. That's a thing I want, but it's also like it good on them. I'm I'm glad they're. I don't know. Some might trickle down here. We see some Chicago stuff occasionally. Mm-hmm. Make it down to the Cincy market. Yeah, I'm gonna say for for me, that's that's a lot less likely. If it makes it down here and we can get some, you, yeah. you know, we'll get you some. Well, that's true. We really need to have a show trip to Chicago, like just a weekend of just being in Chicago, brewing. Mm. Uh, you know, uh, you know, if we if we wanted to get there, we could take a flight, get a little drink, mm. if we can get a flight on Southwest. Indeed. Uh. Because Southwest brings alcohol back to flights after a two-year suspension. Uh, announced, uh, this is coming from Vinepair, they announced on February 4th that it intends to bring booze back to most flights for the first time since March 2020. Initial suspension extended uh, in May 2021 after a surge in unruly, disrespectful passengers. Uh, I'm just picturing Coach Beard screaming, no fight club. <laughs> Uh, which this is southwest none of it was none of it was that off far off the mark you're like no i'm surprised it didn't happen sooner um again that's if a fight breaks out in a plane i'm on like a fist fight i just want to like stand up and just scream no fight club Starting February 16th, beer, wine, rum, tequila, and vodka will be available for purchase on Southwest trips more than 176 miles long. Uh, The airline will also be expanding its non-alcoholic offerings, including tonic water, apple juice, Coke Zero, Dr. Pepper, hot tea, and cocoa. These things Uh, are also commonly known as mixers. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know a lot of apple juice mixers. Because I was thinking about that, like, oh yeah, mixers, and I see apple juice, and I go, huh? 
Vodka and apple juice apple for juice. a real DIY apple teeny thing you got going. I mean, when you're... I was going to say, that's the only thing I could think of putting in there. And <laughs> just because, like, oh, I don't, you know, I'm not going to get a lot of taste from the vodka. Let's put it some apple juice and uh, get a get an alcoholic sippy cup going. You put some apple juice in Irish whiskey to make it taste. <laughs> uh, anyway, customers have expressed desire for more beverage options. Uh, so we are delighted to restore the addition of onboard offerings as part of the Southwest hospitality that our customers know and love. Tony Roach, Southwest Vice President of Customer Experience and Customer Relations, said to CNBC. Uh, the announcement has amplified tensions between Southwest and the 16,000 members of the Flight Attendants Union who are claiming the move is unsafe and irresponsible. 2021 had a worst record for unruly passenger behavior with Federal Aviation Administration doling out $161,823 in fines uh, to passengers for alcohol-related incidents. Uh, it's as if we weren't allowed to fly for, for a year and we all lost our minds and forgot how to do it. Yeah. All right. You <laughs> You sit there in silence, you get from point A to point B, you don't sleep on your neighbor. I mean, maybe you take a nap. <laughs> you take a nap, but I don't mean you you don't fall asleep on your neighbor. Yeah. Well, someone tell that to the little Scottish girl that was napping on me for seven hours. <laughs> That's fine. That's a $3 fine. And How do you think they got those odd numbers for those fines? <laughs> and Ian was just like looking across the aisle, laughing his ass off at me. <laughs> I was fine because I was watching Unforgiven on like repeat because it was like on the headrest screen. And I was like, no, this is great. I don't care how long <laughs> we're late over. I've got, I've got great movies here. Mm -hmm. uh, all right. Uh, speaking of movies, uh, The Rock has a uh, you know tequila. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, man, we are killing it with the transitions today. Uh, so, uh, Jägermeister really hasn't been in the news much, I feel like, for us. Um, it's because anytime we hear the words Jäger, we all just collectively go, uh. <laughs> just involuntarily. It's like, oh, it tastes like college. Oh, <laughs> tastes like cough, it tastes like cough syrup and regret. Yeah. College. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, on February 1st, uh, Most Jägermeister, I assume is how that was pronounced, uh, announced that it had invested in, oh gosh, Terramana. Is that how we're saying it? The, the sure. tequila founded by pro wrestler and movie star Dwayne The Rock Johnson, which launched in March 2020. Is there anyone aside from Tom Cruise that deserves the term movie star more than Dwayne The Rock Johnson? Mm. No, not really. Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. Well, that no, he's he, he, into every single rule. That's he's an American treasure. Yeah, <laughs> like he he surpasses movie star at this point. But yeah, he is American treasure. I mean, who else can play you know Walt Disney and Mister Rogers? Yeah, <laughs> who sure. can play Walt Disney and not make you hate him? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's true. And uh, you know, also be cranking out uh, quality. World War II, historically accurate <laughs> epics, constantly, uh, for yeah. every format. Yeah. All right, sorry, back to the story. <laughs> Just a, a moment of Thanksgiving. Um, so the investment was for an undisclosed amount, uh, but many, including Johnson, are publicizing the enormity of this deal and the significance for the brand. 
Uh, this is a the tweet from Dwayne Johnson. We now enter a legacy partnership, making this one uh, this one of the biggest deals in Spirit's history. Thank you all for Terramana's record-breaking sales, and now we take our brand global. So he clearly still means to be involved. Um, which yes, is nice. that's all these brands are. It was like Ryan Reynolds uh, got involved with a failing gin brand, completely revamped it. Like, I don't think they changed the formula or anything about it. Really. He just knows how to market. He just changed the marketing. Like, they changed the labels and the bottles and started doing... Letting his, him do commercials yeah, for it. the weird commercials. And then he he just he flipped that turd for a nice profit. Hmm. To whereas The Rock came in, didn't have a turd to flip, but he came in and just said, here's this great thing. And then someone comes in and, like, we'll give you triple what it's worth. Sold. Well, they're they're because they're not out and out selling it. Yeah, they are yeah. they're buying a portion or investing and in getting a portion of it, I guess. But yeah, it almost yeah. Well, because yeah, okay. So um, in its less than two year run, Terramana has become one of the fastest growing spirits brands in the country, selling more than six hundred forty thousand nine liter cases in twenty twenty one alone. Uh, much of that success is to do with accelerated growth of the tequila industry. Uh, and the positioning yeah. of spirits as the drink of choice for younger generations. The investment from a large firm like Moss Jägermeister ensures Terramana's ability to expand into the global market, but also adds the popular brand into their portfolio, serving as its exclusive distributor. So uh, Jägermeister's partnership will also be aiding in global sales, marketing, and logistics. Given the rapid success of Terramana under the leadership of its founders, drivers, and inspirators, uh, the time is inspirators. Oh yeah. Sorry, it's just a weird word. That is a weird word. For a second, I was like, "That's did I say that?" No, that's okay. Uh, the time is right to take this unique brand and our partnership to the next level," says the CEO of Must Jägermeister. Uh, we are excited to continue our partnership and to help bring the vision of a high of a highest quality, responsibly sourced tequila for the people to an even larger audience and to key international markets. Uh, so Terramana is advertised as a super premium small batch tequila, isn't everything, um, made at Distilleria Terramana de Agave in Jalisco Highlands Mountains. Currently, the line consists of Blanco, Reposado, and Añejo tequilas. So yeah, not an all out, all out like buyout situation. Just a, uh, it's one, it's another one of those like now they get to be all the places. Yeah, and and they still got a payday. Yeah, uh, so I guess yay for them. <laughs> look, they're not the real heroes this week. There's only one true hero. And not all heroes wear capes. Hmm. It took Paul Myhill only 18 months to drink his way through all 467 breweries, brew pubs, satellite brewery restaurants, and beer tap rooms in Colorado. That's bananas. The man had, must have spent, it, it would take multiple days to drink your way through the Denver International Airport. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> also, like, how much did that cost? Like, the whole the whole shebang. So, I mean, like, on weekend trips around the different parts of the state, couldn't have been, you know, that bad. So, the Castle Rock residents' ambitious quest started with a simple idea on July 24th, 2020, when My Hill and a friend went out for a round. 
My mom took her life a number of years ago, so on her birthday, I usually go out and do my thing. I had a buddy with me uh, this time, and we ended up doing five breweries that night, and we just kept going. <laughs> Semi-Hill, who is also known as the Colorado Beer Guy. Uh, we initially started out as, hey, can we do 30 in 30 days? The duo finished ahead of schedule, hitting 30 breweries in a mere 10 days. So they Jeez. upped the ante to 100 breweries in 100 days, which they completed in about a month. Then 365 <laughs> breweries in 365 days. Soon my hill found himself driving and often being <laughs> shuttled by his wife and son from the San Juan Mountains to Fort Collins to enjoy flights of beer with a handy spreadsheet keeping track of his journey. You'd have to. That's, yeah, because at a certain point you're like, wait, have I been here? <laughs> What day is it? It's, I just immediately got the uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Have I been here? I don't know if I've been here. And he opens the door and like, hey, I've been here. Been here. <laughs> After hitting 365 brewery milestone last July, visiting the mall didn't feel like much of a stretch, Michael said. He estimates he reached an additional 150 out-of-state breweries while on vacation over the last year and a half. So out loud. It was not surprising that when we contact uh, connected by phone, my hill was at Great Divide Brewery in Roadhouse <laughs> in his hometown, enjoying a cold one. Uh, his unwavering passion for beer stems from his youth, growing up in England, where as a uh, where as soon as you could walk, you could grab a seat at the pub. In 1978, my hill moved to Texas and later took up uh, home brewing at the age of 14. As you do. Uh, it was like the homebrew scene now where people want to do it out of deep, profound love of craft beer, my hill recalled. For us, it was out of necessity. If we wanted decent beer in Texas between 1978 and 1982, we had to brew it ourselves. <laughs> yeah. That's fair. Those are, those are dark times there. <laughs> now semi-retired, my hill attributes his success in drinking through the state in part, uh, in part due to to the fact he can work from anywhere. Mm. To me, the brewery is a coffee shop. He said, as long <laughs> as I have a computer and Wi-Fi, I can sit in Meeker, Colorado, and do my job. There you mm. go. Also, it all makes complete sense. He grew up in England. Ah, okay. So you're, this is just like second nature to you. <laughs> just, just, just drink and be fine. It's like it's not that much of a stretch to go from 365 breweries to the rest of them in the state. And I was like, isn't it? <laughs> There's a lot of them about there. Yeah. Right? So like this, about 30% of the breweries that Myhill visited, he had previously patronized. <laughs> but he made a point to go back and support them during the pandemic. Among his favorite places that he had never been before are... Oh my God! I don't want to say this. Crisales barrel aged beers and Paonia. I don't know Jessup Farm Barrel House in Fort Collins, Purpose Brewing and Cellars in Fort Collins, and Primitive Beer in Longmont. There's so much good beer in Colorado. Uh, it was <clears throat> the ones that were different that stood out. My Hill said. I, I can relate to that. Yeah, different for me is barrel-aged on that Belgian end of the spectrum, like farmhouse saisons. Hmm. Hmm. All right. Well, that's a nice little, I don't know, <laughs> a pleasant way to end the show <laughs> for, for once. Can I, can I leave you thinking about it? Can I do my state? <laughs> Kentucky would be way too easy to do. There's I would say that wouldn't be that difficult here. 
We mm-hmm. could we could take it out in like a week. It would have to be a. It wouldn't. If you're New Kentucky, though, it has to be a spirits thing, not a beer thing. No, then you just die. You can't do that. <laughs> well, <that's laughs> you can. You could do. You could probably do all the breweries, Kentucky. I would say a month. Month? I think less than that. Well, to be reasonable. Like you know, that's assuming. That's I, I'm assuming you're just still doing a work week. No. I was gonna say there's. It's not fun. Like there's a drive to get to Western Kentucky. <laughs> Like oh right, there's that part of the state. Yeah, it's like I just pretend it's not there. Well, yeah. Most (laughs) so does most of the world. (laughs) Uh, All right. (laughs) Well, we'd like to remind everyone this this is our news only show, but we also do a weekly long form show discussing the science and history around what you drink. If you like what you hear and you want to support Have a Drink, please go to Patreon.com/slash Have a Drink Show. And we will see you again in another couple of weeks for the next live episode. Once again, I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. And I'm Christopher Walker. And we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> <laughs>